You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Hey, good-looking discipleship people. So good to have you with us today. Remember now, the place for a man, for a woman completing all their powers is in the fight. And right now today, somewhere in the world, making disciples, even disciples of the nations. So stay tuned, stay encouraged. We have a rendezvous with destiny. All right, folks, welcome to the program. Really good, really, really good to have you here today. I uh, ran into a couple things I want to talk about before we get to our special guest, and boy, you're going to like our special guest today. Uh, but I saw, saw a couple news things. Uh, that one's an opinion piece, one's actually a little bit of news, and it interested me. I think it'll interest you. There has been, maybe everybody knows about this. I don't watch TV, so there's a lot of things that are out that I just don't get, uh, just don't see, and don't feel myself uh, lesser for it, just sometimes I don't see some things. Have you seen this one? A satanic temple is hosting an after-school Satan club at a Pennsylvania school. Officials at a Pennsylvania school district are allowing the satanic temple to host this back-to-school event at the high school. Administrators of the Northern York County District School District are allowing the satanic temple to host this event in Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. Um. What they're saying basically is this. Now, by the way, as you can imagine, parents and community members are livid about it. They're ticked off. They're wanting to do something, trying to figure out what they can do. I mean, one of the parents said, listen, they already took God out of schools. Now they're going to let Satan in. It's just crazy. But this is what's happening. Uh, The Satanic Temple has attempted to establish after-school Satan clubs at schools around the country that already have an operating religious club on campus. So whenever they see something evangelical going on, they want to move in and do their thing. So my church, for instance, one of the things we love to do is go to a local public school because they allow us to. And frankly, they they, they, they love what it does for the kids when we come. But we'll have anywhere from 70 to 100 kids in a room and do a Bible club with them. It's great stuff. I mean, they're singing songs and they're learning about missionaries and they're learning Bible stories and they're it's it's just, it's it's wonderful. And a lot of these uh, called good news clubs are operating around the nation. Well, this satanic temple has said, if you can do that, then why can't you do us? And apparently, by the construct that we're operating on right now, you can't say no. So if you're going to allow a Bible club, in, which leads me to think a lot of schools are going to say, well, if that is a possibility of happening, then we're not going to allow the Bible club in either. And more's the pity for that. Just enough to say, you know, we got a little fight going on, don't we? Uh, we've always had a little fight going on, and we're up to this fight. Y'all, we are the church of Jesus Christ. We recognize biblically that there's a fight going on. It's a spiritual fight. We're in the middle of it. Uh, dust is getting kicked up all around. Fists are flying. Uh, swords are flashing. This is the life we've chosen. 
So we can ever say, we, we, we can say, I guess, let's just sort of slink off and try to be nice people. Or we can say, yeah, nice is nice. Love is love. Uh, kindness is kindness. But all that belongs in the middle of the fight that Jesus has allowed us to be in. Now, I saw this as well. Uh, Sherwin Pomerantz wrote for the Jerusalem Post just recently. Uh, this is the kind of headline that gets your attention. Is God punishing the United States of America? And uh, Sherwin goes in and talks about all manner of things. It seemed to be at one point that God just seemed to be blessing America in extraordinary ways, and maybe still is. But uh, Sherwin says, listen, at the risk of being labeled an old fool, it's a challenge for me to believe that the series of plagues that have befallen the United States of America of late are not part of some heavenly master plan. And she goes, uh, Sherwin goes into it, a U.S. civil war between Republicans and Democrats. And you got y'all got to admit, if you've been alive as long as I have, Democrats have never loved Republicans. Republicans have never loved Democrats. But, oh, my goodness, we're at each other's throats now. Uh, I made a phone, uh, actually, because of a water crisis we've got going on in our city right now. Someone, it's national news. I got all kinds of people saying, are you okay, Matt? Can you, can, so all kinds of people calling me right now saying, are, are you okay? Are, you, are your family okay? Is the school okay? Is your church okay? And yes, we're okay. But having said that, uh, I was called by a relative of mine, and it wasn't five minutes before he is wanting to get into a Republican versus Democrat fight on the phone. Now he's calling me to say, are you okay? And it's five minutes later, he wants to argue politics. And boy, it seems to be just uh, so very much what's going on in our cultures. We just want to fight politically. Then there's the U.S. mass shooting crises and gun ownership crises. 300 mass shootings in the U.S. this year. The largest number by far of any country in the world. The catastrophic weather. Listen, we just had flooding here. Water's turned off. They, they say, listen, you can always tell how bad the weather is by the Waffle House. If it's like, boy, let's move in and save this culture because Waffle House is closed down. We know it's gotten bad. And, and guess what? Waffle House is closed in my city. <laughs> it is. And they, they got no water. The water is bad. Water's undrinkable. And sometimes they turn on the faucet and no water comes out at all. Yeah, we got a problem here with catastrophic weather in the U.S. and in my little part of the, 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 the globe here. The American homeless crises. Isn't this interesting? California alone, there are more than 161,000 homeless. Right behind, behind California is New York. 91,000 homeless. And a large percentage of them are frankly just sleeping on the street. I mean, why, why, why are these kinds of things going on? And uh, Sherwin says, listen, there's never been a time in post-Civil War history as now where the U.S. has been so broken, where so many things seem to be going wrong simultaneously, and where the political leadership seems powerless to deal with all of it. It's almost as if God is now expressing displeasure with his servant, the U.S., in the course it is taken. Now, Sherman's willing to say, God seems to have used the U.S. across the last 100 years in the world culture. 
but boy, struggling right now to use us in significant ways because hmm, he looks to be expressing displeasure. Well, what do you do when times are rough? And this is where Sherwin does us a big favor. By the way, this, this author lived in Israel for 38 years. CEO of a big Jerusalem-based international business development consultancy. You know, any serious Jew recognizes that uh, we ought to have a serious relationship with the United States of America. And so here we go. This is what Sherwin says as his final thrust in his column. He says, in December 1944, fog, clouds, rain, snow over Europe were hampering U.S. war efforts. A frustrated Patton contacted Chaplain James O'Neill, Catholic priest, asked for prayer for good weather that would improve the chances of victory. In the presence of Patton, there was only one response a chaplain could offer, and that was, yes, sir. So the chaplain wrote this prayer. going to read it. It was distributed to 275,000 Third Army troops along with a Christmas greeting that read, Almighty God and Merciful Father. We humbly beseech thee of thy great goodness to restrain these immoderate rains with which we have had to contend. Grant us fair weather for battle. Graciously hearken to us as soldiers who call upon thee that armed with thy power, we may advance from victory to victory and crush the oppression of wickedness of our enemies and establish thy justice among men and nations. That was the prayer. The results of the prayer? Well, I'll tell you what happened. The weather cleared for the next six days, and Patton's allied forces were victorious, vanquishing the German army, vanquishing the Nazis. Perhaps, just perhaps, this is another moment in history when civilization needs an intervention from the immoderate forces that are besieging us. Now, this is what Patton said. Watch what people are cynical about, and one can often discover what they lack. I'm say that again. Watch what people are cynical about, and one can often discover what they lack. When hope eluded him, Patton, the battle-hardened cynic, asked his troops to turn to a higher force. Turn to God Almighty. Turn to the merciful Father. There's certainly no downside in doing so, right, Sherman Pomerantz? And there's every possibility that our prayers might be answered. Wow. Is God punishing the United States of America? Well, a great thing to do, whether he is or whether he is not, is pray. Every one of us who listen to this podcast, life-changing Discipleship Podcast needs to have a daily time in the Word and prayer. And it ought to be a significant amount of time, not just five minutes rolling through something. No, a significant time every day seeking the face of God in Scripture and through prayer. Everybody that listens to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast ought to have a family time doing the same thing. You ought to be involved with the church that is a house of prayer and recognize it. We have to go to God if we're going to be all the people of God he ever imagined that we could be. Friends, it's that 
important. And I hope you'll take it very seriously indeed. All right, let's do a little advertisement here if we can. One of the uh, one of the sponsors of our program is Wesley Biblical Seminary. Now, uh, frankly, one of the reasons they're our sponsor is because I've taught at this school for 35 years. I kid you not, 35 years. One of the best seminaries in the world and a place where you can come and check out the various wonderful things we can offer you. we got a lay program. By the way, that lay program starts like this week. It's called the Wesley Institute. If you want in, go to wbs.edu and get in. It, it covers basically the whole Bible across a year with professors doing the teaching. It's really great stuff, but again, it's for lay people. Uh, we got an undergraduate program. Yep, that's right. We got a college you need to discover. Uh, we got a master's programs, of course, and we got a doctoral, a DMIN program. Really something for all serious disciples. So we want you to check it out. Go to wbs.edu. That's wbs.edu. All right, so I'm delighted today to ask someone onto the program named Daryl Stetler. Daryl is a guy that uh, is a serious disciple and a serious disciple maker. And what I really like about him is one of the things he loves to do is make discipleship easy and easier for churches. Now, that's not to say discipleship is easier. He just likes to facilitate discipleship in local churches. Got a great organization called New Start Discipleship. Hey, Daryl, welcome to the program today. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you. And listen, I, I love kindred spirits on the program and guys that are crazy about discipleship like I am. Man, uh, more power to you and what you're doing. So real, real quick, tell us about New Start Discipleship. Sure. So a couple of years ago, I started a company called New Start Discipleship. What we do is we help smaller churches develop discipleship strategy that they can actually follow. Uh, sometimes it seems like a discipleship strategy is one of those, uh, the, the unicorns that's out there that, uh, you know, a lot of the, the dirty little secret of discipleship is a lot of pastors know they ought to be doing it, but they just don't have a, a clear strategy. They don't have a plan. I asked my email list a couple of years ago, uh, what, what is it that, that is your biggest struggle with discipleship, your biggest frustration with discipleship? And the number one answer I got back was, I really don't have a plan. Hmm. And that's that's not um, that's not workable in the long run, right? Because what we don't have a plan for, we just we we plan to fail on. And uh, so there's a reason. Barna recently did a survey a couple of years ago uh, with pastors, and he said uh, the the pastors came back and said uh, less than one in ten of them said their church was doing very well at discipling new and young believers. It was like eight percent. Um, and so with that in mind, I can, I can see why, uh, because there's not a clear plan. So we just help provide a clear strategy, a clear plan. Like here's exactly how you can walk people through the first couple of years of their walk with the Lord. Yeah, that's great. Listen, uh, guys, uh, Daryl Stetler is a pastor. So one of the things he does is he says, I'm in the trenches. I'm trying to get this done with my own church and the things that I find being pretty successful in my church, I love to hand on to other churches and, they're simple tools. The thing it doesn't take a rocket science to implement them. I'm really big. I'm big on Daryl. I'm big on New Start Discipleship. So go check them out. Hey, hey, Daryl, we're going to push something on the program today right after I, I'm going to twist your arm here, ask you to do something today. <laughs> okay. I'll ask all my guests, not all of them, but most of them to say, hey, come on the program. And uh, since you are a pastor and, and some, uh, many of them are professors that I ask on, I want you to give us some insight into a couple books of the Bible. So usually a book of the Bible, but I thought let's put first and second Samuel together. 
So I, I asked you just yesterday, day before yesterday, could you look over first and second Samuel as a pastor, as a disciple making pastor, and give us five discipleship lessons out of those books? So are you up for this, Daryl? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay, listen now. First thing, just give us an overview, quick overview of First and Second Samuel. What's what's going on there for our listening audience that might not know because they don't have the Bibles open as they're going down the road? Sure. So First and Second Samuel is this huge transition in the life of the nation of Israel, where they're transitioning from uh, kind of a prophet-led. Um, spiritual leader sort of emphasis to kind of a political sort of kingdom. It's the rise of the monarchy. So they've never had a king. And first and second Samuel is the transition from the kind of the time of the judges into a time where now we have Israel has kings. Uh, so Saul, David, uh, these are the kind of names that pop up. And uh, what it used to be that the, the priests and the prophets were kind of the heads of the nation. Now we're transitioning to kind of a political kingdom uh, with Saul as as the first king and David as the second. And so big transition there and uh, a lot of fascinating stories, uh, legendary stuff, th- things like David and Goliath, things like that happen in this transition. Yeah, huge. So, so it's, a, it's a huge swath of material. I'm not being fair to you. I'm not being fair to the listening audience to say, let's take two of these books, throw them <laughs> together, and come up with five discipleship lessons. Let me say this. I, I, I think I'm right. I think I'm remembering right here, Daryl, where God says, basically, as we're doing this transference from prophet to uh, to king uh, kind of uh, dynamics, you're not going to like it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He he says it's really not. It's really not what I would prefer to happen. In many ways, God would love to be uh, the the ruler in a more immediate sense, with less of a political overtone to it. Um, he says it's not going to go well for you. You know the kings are going to are going to be selfish, and they're going to wind up wanting to build their own earthly thing and become wealthy, and they're going to take your sons, and they're going to take your taxes, and all this sort of thing. And they're not going to be really focused on the well being of the nation sometimes. But that's what you get with political kingdoms. But ultimately, the people of Israel say we want a king so we can be like other nations. They felt somehow awkward. <laughs> I guess politically awkward about uh, God being the leader uh, in that way and not having a visible king to go out in front of their army. You Man, know? I, I, I'm shuddering as you're talking. Do we really have to go over these five things today, Daryl? <laughs> this, this is going to be challenging stuff. Okay, five things out of First and Second Samuel. Five discipleship lessons. I love to do this. I really do. I, I love to hear what you guys got to inform me, inform our listening audience on these kinds of things. So, number one, number one discipleship lesson out of First and Second Samuel. Yeah, so 1 Samuel opens up with two discipleship lessons in the first couple of chapters. And uh, just first of all, I would say lesson number one really circulates around a character, Hannah. And I, I think that to me that, that the first lesson I draw out of First and Second Samuel is that a, Hannah says a disciple-making mindset can start right now, especially in your family. So Hannah starts praying before she's ever, she starts praying for her children before she ever has them. So start praying right now, right? She starts praying before he's born, before Samuel is born, uh, the guy that winds up being the namesake of the book. And then I would say she also viewed her children and the people that, you know, the ones she was called to disciple, she viewed them as a great blessing from God immediately. Sometimes as parents, we can kind of have this thing where someday our children are going to be a blessing, but right now I roll my eyes. You know, my wife and I used to have this saying where we, we this joke where we'd say, someday I'm going to change the world, but right now I'm going to change this kid's diaper. Um, and so, but I think it's important that we, we value those children that God has put into our homes 
as an opportunity to disciple them, view them as a great blessing right now. That's the third thing I would say Hannah's disciple-making mindset was that she recognized her time was limited right now. This kid is leaving, right? Uh, he is going to launch, and you bet, you can bet that she loved and valued every second. She sang to him. She prayed with him. She taught him, even though he's really young. Um, and, you know, I, I think that value, recognizing the, the, the limited time we have to disciple our families is a really, really valuable disciple-making mindset uh, piece. All right. Well, hang then, on now. Hang yeah, on. Sure. So five discipleship lessons. Uh, is this all under the Hannah yeah, mindset? Yeah, all under lesson one. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> See, you, you're a preacher, aren't you? I am. You know, yeah. I can't, you don't have, I can't help okay. myself. Okay. I only have three points today and you end up covering 17. All right. All right. So, yeah. So I just, in terms of a disciple making mindset, pray now, recognize the, the, the blessing of your children, recognize your time is limited. Um, and then I would say he, she also kept her integrity and her promises to God. It would have been so easy for Hannah to just idolize her kid you know, this is her kid. This is the answer to prayer. It's a, I've, I've been so long without children and now I've got one. But instead of, of idolizing her child and raising him up, this is the, the child that's giving me joy. This is the child that's going to make my life complete and make it worthwhile. Instead, she keeps her promises. She keeps her integrity. She does what she promised and she gives the child back to the Lord. Um, powerful, powerful thing. I've, I've watched so many people idolize their kids and be like, oh, my kids are going to be uh, my my source of joy and meaning and family becomes a thing that can take the place of the joy that 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 comes from knowing God and uh, so yeah anyway I've, well, I got to keep moving you do have to keep moving this is incredible because uh, all these things you and I uh, of course I know that you and I both have a passion for this very thing yeah. you and I could talk about this for a long time but I love it first off uh, Hannah had a disciple making mindset for her family she considered this child in her life a great blessing. She recognized, I don't have forever. I, I, I've, I've, I've got to prepare this child for the great next adventure of his life. And then, of course, she personified integrity. She knew she had a purpose for this child. God had a purpose for this child. Yep, right. She wasn't raising this child for her. Right. She didn't want the grandkids running around on the lawn necessarily. She wanted these children to be serving God Almighty and change the direction of the nation. That's that's huge. All right. Yeah. So that's all Hannah mindset number one, right? That's that's correct. Yeah. All right. So, good good but, luck on getting through the rest. Of, okay. <laughs> okay. Number two. Yeah. So lesson number two, uh, Eli. Eli's a bad example of disciple making mindset, right? He's very he he's the dad of these two sons, um, and they are not good men. In fact, it says they're worthless men. Uh, so he has a very laissez-faire kind of leadership of his family, whatever go whatever goes, you know, whatever comes. He's kind of, uh, it probably lack of self-discipline. He's not very disciplined in his personal habits. Um, God accuses him of fattening himself, and he said, you've been fattening yourselves. And he literally is. He's very obese, you read later. Um, he basically didn't take any action, and he was distracted away from discipling his, his sons. He let them live in the flesh, live the sexually immoral, live by greed, disrespect the things of God, and even hinder other people in their pursuit of the Lord. And ultimately, he idolized his sons. The, when God accuses Samuel, he says, or accuses Eli, sorry, he says, you honored your sons more than me. And, and so we, we can't disciple somebody if we need their approval and we don't, we're not willing to, uh, to live to honor God first above our family. We've got to be able to, to, to do that. So Eli is a very kind of a negative. Ultimately, Henry Cloud says, leaders get 
what we create or we allow. Mm. And so in our family, ultimately, when God comes to accuse Eli, he doesn't just accuse Eli's sons. He said, you have disrespected my offerings. Wow. And so we we create we get what we create or we allow in our families. And the nation makes it through that moment, but Eli and his sons do not. They do not. That is correct, yeah. Number three, Daryl yep. Stetler, who's sharing with us five discipleship lessons out of First and Second Samuel. Number three. Yep. Number three, I, it's like I, I think it circulates around the character of Saul. So Saul starts off really, really well. I mean, it, it's he's killing it. You look at the story and he's... He's raised up. He's a good man, a giant of a man. God gives him a new heart. I think that ultimately the lesson about with Saul is a good start has to be followed by an intentional strategy, and there mm-hmm. wasn't one. Uh, there wasn't one. It, we, we need community as part of an intentional strategy. We need a process. Here's how we're going to take people through. That, and I, I mentioned earlier, a lot of pastors have a plan for anointing people, <laughs> but no plan for developing people. And that's that's what so new start. That's what that's what I do is try to help small churches develop discipleship strategy they can actually follow. If it doesn't matter how well somebody starts, if there is no plan to intentionally develop them, and uh, Vince Lombardi, the famous football coach, said the the will to win means nothing without the will to prepare to win. Mm-hmm. And I would say, paraphrasing that, the will to disciple somebody means nothing without the will to have a plan to disciple somebody, to pre- prepare to disciple somebody. And nobody was there to do that for Saul. Uh, we we got to have a clear strategy to keep going. And that was huge in places like the, the Western Revival, where John Wesley didn't just have a plan to lead them to yes. the Lord, but to lead them way, way deeper in the Lord. Exactly. And by the yeah. way, interesting, since we're talking about nations, and some people will say, put the toothpaste back in the tube for Great Britain at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I probably saved it from a bloody revolution like France had. Incredible stuff. All right, yeah. number four lesson from First and Second Samuel. Yeah, so David, right? Deep discipleship is sometimes invisible to other people, but you should develop it anyway. Hmm. So David had been out there. He's a young man. He'd been out there with the sheep, and, and he's been developing his skills, right? He's a harp player, uh, all of these things. But how invisible do you have to be for your dad to forget to bring you out when the prophet shows up and says, hey, one of your sons is going to be the king? <laughs> and so Samuel says this, and he goes through all the sons, and he's like, none of these are the right guy. Don't you have any other sons? And Jesse says, oh, well, I mean, I do have one more, <laughs> but he's not here. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how invisible you have to be for that to happen in your life. But David had been invisibly developing his discipleship, doing ordinary things like watching sheep and and playing harp and learning to love and worship the Lord. And eventually somebody notices. In 1 Samuel 16, after David is anointed king, they're, they're having a conversation in the palace a long ways away from Bethlehem. And one of the young men said to Saul, I'm, I'm quoting from 1 Samuel 16, 18, he said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who was skillful in playing. He's a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Hmm. And so eventually you develop that deep discipleship. It sometimes is invisible to others, but eventually somebody notices. You may well be able to say the best parts of discipleship happen invisibly. You know, no one else has noticed. I I love that. That's a great one. All right, wrap us up here. Number five from... Versus Second yeah. Samuel. It's what I call discipleship in the land between. Okay, so First Samuel sixteen, 
uh, is where David is anointed king, and he doesn't become king until 2 Samuel 2, and even that is only uh, king over, over the, the, the tribe of Judah, uh, not even the whole land. And so this whole big section in the middle, he's being hunted, he's being hated, he's being attempted, they're attempting to kill him, Saul is chasing him down. David is literally hiding in caves and literally running to foreign lands. And what what happens in that time? It could be that some of your listeners are in a moment where they're in the land between, right? They're in this, this, this awkward desert land, this gap between where they left and where they're heading to. And they're not there yet. And we say, while we're in the land between, we say things like, well, you know, right for right now, you know, and so I don't know if there's somebody that is in, in, in that's listening today that is in a they're in a gap. They're in the land between. And if that's where you are, just understand that some of David's deepest growth was in times of difficulty and delay and waiting and living in the cave. Some of the things that we still worship God with today came out of that season in David's life where he's just waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled. Don't don't hate on the land between. It may be the deepest place that God develops you. Man, that's extraordinary stuff, Daryl. That's really good stuff. You know, one of the things I, uh, I had a friend write a book uh, about getting across the Red Sea and where do you find yourself? You're in yeah. some of those barren yeah. uh, uh, landscape <laughs> in all the world. Is, and yeah. God does his best discipleship work with the Israelites right there at Desert University. Yep. Absolutely. Ah, these are great. So let me run them down here. Uh, actually, I'll let you run them down. One through five. Just give us a summary here. Sure. Lesson one, Hannah, a disciple-making mindset can start right now and start praying for your kids and five generations of your family, right? Lesson two, uh, Eli, uh, leaders get what they create or they allow, and they are responsible for it. They own it. Uh, you got to be willing to own it. Lesson three, Saul is a good start, has to be followed by an, an, an intentional strategy. Uh, doesn't mean anything if you have the will to win, if you don't have the will to prepare to win. Lesson four is David, deep discipleship is sometimes invisible to other people. Develop yourself anyway, and eventually somebody notices. And uh, number five, uh, discipleship in the land between. If Don't despise the land between where you've been and where you're going to get to eventually. God's promises do come true if you're willing to live out where he's at and develop yourself right where you are and not say someday. All right, that's Daryl Stetler uh, with an organization called New Start Discipleship. Now, you've got a brand new product out there that I am really excited about. I want everybody to know about this. Uh, again, what Daryl loves to do is make disciple-making strategy possible and easier to get your mind around, and he's got a lot of great things that he can hand over to you. Daryl, talk to us about this uh, new thing you've got with New Start Discipleship. Sure. So I have a, a uh, product that I'd be thrilled to share. It's actually a free download if, uh, if, you, if your people like something free. Uh, if you go to get.newstartdiscipleship.com, so instead of the www, you put get, right? So get.newstartdiscipleship.com. Um, there's a, a free download of what I call the New Start Discipleship Journal. It's a 50-day Bible reading plan for brand new Christians uh, with some journal space, like a habit-forming journal. Uh, so if anybody wants to download that, you can download it, print out a copy. And uh, and then I it does, on that same page, uh, that same website, it actually kind of walks you through, here's what else is available with New Start. Uh, that's, there's a lot, of, a lot of Bible study things that 
are an intentional strategy for developing brand new Christians. And so kind of walk people through uh, what that looks like and, uh, and uh, being, being on purpose about your, your process. So after I do the New Start Discipleship Journal with people here at my church, uh, like you said, I'm, I'm not a theorist, I'm a practitioner. I do this stuff for me, and then I share it with other people. So uh, what we do is we start off with the New Start Discipleship Journal, and then we go through what I call the Obedience Challenge. It's 90 days to uh, read through the Gospels and focus in on obeying the commands of Christ. And then we go through what we call the Baptism Challenge, if they haven't been baptized. And uh, so just uh, that's 21 days to get ready for baptism. And uh, so walking people through uh, all those things, it's, uh, it's a, a really super clear system for developing brand new believers. And so if you want a free copy, get.newstartdiscipleship.com. Dale Stetler's the real deal. He's doing it with his family, doing it with his church, and trying to help uh, other churches do it as well. Hey, Daryl, thanks so very much for being on the broadcast today. Absolute privilege, Matt. Thanks very much. All right, it's a wrap. It's been an honor to have you listening to Life-Changing Discipleship with Matt Friedemann. Check out our Facebook page, Life-Changing Discipleship. Check out our books at Amazon.com. Just type in Matt Friedemann. All kinds of things are going to pop up. But always, always tell other people about our podcast. And remember, my wife thanks you, my daughter thanks you, my sons and their wives thank you. And I can assure you that I thank you for listening to Life-Changing Discipleship today. Love God. Live clean. Keep the faith. Make disciples. And God bless you, dear friends. We'll see you back here soon very soon.